how much benefit can you get from just the the energy, the excitement of you know, kind of live competition? Like oh, that? it's it's great to go live. Um, you know, we can get it. We can get a lot done without going live, and so it's a balance. Yeah. You know, but you, we got to see. You know, especially like, like our running backs and you know, in our pass rush. Um, and you know, practicing you know short yardage goal line, it's hard to get that in practice unless you go live. And so we got all those situations today. Uh, really pleased with the two minute drill. You know, we did it the first time on Thursday, and then we did it today. And I was really pleased how our quarterbacks handled that situation, understanding how to stop the clock, get the ball out of bounds, using timeouts, all that. That was I was pleased with that for the first time doing it live. Were there areas that you saw from today that you thought were better than what maybe you expected after seeing them in practice? Yeah, I, I just think the 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 overall execution of our twos and threes. Uh, um, I was I was pleased. I thought we did a lot of good things. I thought we handled our situations well, and we were productive mm-hmm. and uh, moved the ball, put it in the end zone a few times. So that part of the scrimmage was good. Okay. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. That was Jay Norvell talking about the benefits of going live. Colorado State, of course, held their first scrimmage of the spring period on Saturday morning over at Canvas Stadium. I already have one piece out just about Norvell being satisfied with the execution as well as the depth that they've been able to establish. I will talk about that a little bit more on the pod today, but... Basically, they've just been trying to get the twos and threes enough reps on the field to actually improve, which I think is is smart because depth has or lack of depth has been a problem for CSU for, for quite some time now. But on today's pod, I'm just going to give some takeaways and observations from the, the scrimmage as well as just kind of spring ball in general. And I'm going to play some more audio from Norvell as well as Clay Millen, who looked really good. Melquan Stovall was also electric, by the way, really kind of stole the show with his, you know, he he absolutely mossed Taiwan Francis, who had great coverage, but Clay Millen threw a 40-yard dime, and Melquan just went up and made a phenomenal grab up and over, up and over Taiwan, and he uses his hands, comes down with it, just a, just a really tremendous play. Anyways, we'll get into it all Real quick, just a couple of opening thoughts. Great day for the first scrimmage. Perfect weather. You know, really warm. The The wind died down, which was nice. Coming back from Fort Collins, yeah, the wind was whipping my ass all over I-25. I hate that. It freaks me out. I drive a, a little Barbie car-looking Kia, and it, it doesn't take much, but the, the scrimmage was perfect. It was sunny. I can't ever seem to to get the appropriate attire. I either don't wear enough clothes and I freeze, or in this instance, I'm wearing a hoodie and a jacket and absolutely roast in the sun, but it it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Got a little sunburn, which was nice. Could use some color, looking awfully pale. Less people in the stands than I expected, but I also know there was some confusion on the date for this. Initially, the, this first scrimmage was supposed to be last Saturday, and quite a few people came up, and then they ended up just kind of holding a normal practice. That that happens quite a bit in spring ball as well as fall camp. They announce, you know, kind of like a rough draft for how they they want things to go, but they really ultimately 
hold these scrimmages based off when they think they're ready. CSU probably should have announced that just since they are open to the public, but I mean, they're not really used to announcing it when, when these changes happen. And honestly, that that's just kind of part of the process. I guess the, the fans are learning what it's like to, you know, make a schedule around camp. I mean, it's, it's always in flux. That's, that really is just part of the process. You, you get used to, to dealing with it when it's a part of your life, but I understand why there, there might have been some frustration from the fans there. Uh, nothing super fancy as far as this scrimmage goes. Jay Norvell said it himself. They were really just trying to execute plays out there, you know, kind of go out in a live scenario and, and try and execute what they've been working on for the last three weeks. Really, the whole approach with this staff has just kind of been about repetition and, and not trying to introduce too much, but what they do introduce, they really want to perfect it. They've obviously split the practice into two sessions, which is something he did at Nevada, but the, the whole point of this is intentional. You know, it's, it's to get the people that aren't in the starting lineup enough time on the field where they can actually improve. You know, you make mistakes by going out and, and trying to execute what you learned, you know, in study and then you go out and you make mistakes and, and you live and learn, you know, you see those mistakes on film. If you don't ever get opportunities to fail though, you can't really improve. And that's kind of a, a fine balance that you have to find as a coach. And I think it's easy to get caught up with, you know, wanting to perfect what you're seeing out of your ones, but really it's the spring. And I'm not going to say that it doesn't matter at all, but you know, you can't really put that much stock into this. I mean, it's, it's really just about establishing a baseline for what you're going to do in, in fall camp and, and get, you know, everybody in this case introduced to what they're doing. Normally it's kind of just to stay in shape and, you know, try and improve on some stuff that you failed on the season before. But I just, I like their approach here. I think it's going to be beneficial long-term there, there've been talent in multiple starting lineups for CSU on both sides of the ball over the last decade, but on a couple of different instances, especially last year, when you look at the defense in the front seven, they were really dominant for the first six or seven weeks in the last four to five weeks. They just, they were really thin, you know, they, they didn't have, have anybody outside of them. And once they started losing bodies, they were just kind of screwed. Now there's always going to be some element of that. I mean, your starters are your starters for a reason. So if they go down, it's natural to expect, you know, the quality and play to go down as well. But you've got to prepare your guys as best as you can because that is a part of football. Naturally, there are going to be injuries. Hopefully, they're just minor, you know, but guys get dinged up here or there where you're missing some plays. You know, maybe you have to go out for a quarter or two. Maybe it's a game or two. You need your twos and threes to not just have an understanding of the system, but to actually have experience out there running it. I don't want to get too carried away or anything. I just think we we're seeing a coaching staff that is being very meticulous with the way that they're approaching spring ball. They're thinking long term and they're not trying to, you know, be champions of the spring or wow anybody in the spring. They're just trying to drill the same things over and over and over until they get that right. And then you add a little bit on there. But more than anything, they're just trying to build some depth up. And and I I really like that approach. I know this has kind of been a, a long-winded rant at this point, but I, I'm very impressed with the way that they've approached this spring. I think it's probably the, the best spring ball approach that I've seen out of any of the CSU staff so far. 
it, it's more in line with NFL just in terms of limiting contact and, and trying to keep everybody healthy. And I love that because I mean they were they were so beat up by the end of spring ball last year from going full contact all the time that they didn't even have enough guys to like even hold a spring game if they wanted to. I guess the best way to say it is it's just a, a more modernized approach. And I think that's the the biggest difference between these two staffs is, you know, Steve Adazio, Jay Norvell, two coaches that have been around a lot of other successful coaches. They've been at big universities and big conferences. They've seen what it takes to win at a high level, but also you have to evolve. And that's, you know, Adazio's biggest downfall is he wouldn't. He was just too stubborn. You know, I think he'd rather go down his way than win any other way. And well, they, they certainly went down. Um, yeah, I got a little sidetracked there, but I'm going to give some more takeaways. I'm also going to play some more audio from Jay Norvell on Clay Millen here, but two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter, get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. Choose your fighter, then sit back and watch the action unfold. Anything can happen in the octagon, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, you've got a sure thing. Bet $5, get $100 in free bets. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Throw down $5 on UFC 273. Get $100 in free bets. No matter what, that's the code DNVR this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. What more would you like to see out of Clay in the rest of spring ball? You know, I just want him to continue to grow and and to show control. You know, and I told these guys that um, when you're a quarterback, your team gains confidence in you when devastating things don't happen. You know... We don't turn the ball over when you're there. We don't call plays wrong. We don't have devastating things happen. Your teammates learn to have confidence in you when you do that. And uh, and that's where, you know, guys learn to love having you in the game. And so Clay's been doing that. He had a good day today, took care of the ball, um, executed well, made plays, drove the offense, scored. And, and so I think that was a really good start for him. It's You've hard. seen him. I'm sorry. Okay. He's been in your system for a year, but he hasn't been the guy in the huddle. What are you noticing out of him in that situation, him taking over that leadership role? He's just, to, he, you know, he takes advantage of every opportunity. You know, as a starter, you got to fight for every snap, and, and you got to try to fight to execute every play. And he does that in practice. He takes advantage of every opportunity. And uh, he, he's competitive now. He was out there today. He wanted to score every time he got the ball. And he wanted the offense to score. And, and that's what we want from that position. All right. That was Jay Norvell talking about Clay Millen, who looked really good in the, in the scrimmage. It wasn't anything fancy, but he stretched the field. I mean, his, his arm strength is legitimate. Definitely has the biggest arm of any CSU quarterback that I can remember. I mean, probably going back to like Justin Holland who could really, really rip it. There've been some other guys I'm probably forgetting, but I mean, he threw a 40 yard ball to Melquan that was just perfectly placed. And Melquan made a hell of a grab. You can go see that. I posted it 
on Twitter at Justin T. Michael or at DNVR underscore Rams posted it from both accounts. His touch, I mean, for his age, his ball placement is just absurd. But these were these were things we kind of knew coming in. I was really impressed by his composure at the line of scrimmage. He just looks comfortable out there running the show. I mean, you watch him, he he's moving guys. You can tell that he's very comfortable in the system. He made good decisions with the football. You know, Norvell credited him, credited him for that. I think the game was just kind of slowing down for him, and that's kind of what he told us after the scrimmage. And that's good because that's really what the coaching staff kind of wanted for him this spring. Obviously, he had the advantage of being in the system for a year coming in, but that's not the same as, as being the guy. And when you are QB1, having you know a great arm, you know, great accuracy, all of that, that that's going to excite your teammates. But really, you know, as kind of Norvell said, how you win them over is by going out there and, and not making bad plays, you know, not putting the team in a position to lose. The greatest example of this at, at the NFL, you know, probably Drew Locke. Drew Locke has a cannon, really good athlete, fun dude, really charismatic. But when he got out on the field, he just made bad decisions with the football time and time again. And that hype faded pretty quickly. And eventually, you know, people turned on him. What's been encouraging with Millen, he's making good decisions with the football. You know, early on in camp, maybe maybe forced it a little bit too much every now and then. But that's just part of being a young QB. And honestly, in this system, it's a pretty fine line because they they want you to be aggressive. They want you taking shots. I mean, going over the top is really about what makes this entire offense successful. It's a balance. It's definitely a balance, but I think we're seeing a young quarterback who has all the skill, you know, all the talent in the world kind of learning what it takes to, to be the, the leader of a D one offense. And I think he has all those, you know, leadership traits. I don't think it's anything that's foreign to him or anything like that. Obviously he was a very highly touted quarterback at the high school level. And there's, you know, pressure that comes with that. But this is just a, a whole nother level. And I'm, I'm sure there's going to be highs and lows. You know, I'm sure at, at some point he's going to have a, a rough stretch in practice where the coaches are like, hey, he's, you know, he's got to get it back together. Because that, that just happens. But so far, he's been great. He's been really consistent. And I thought he looked awesome on Saturday. Didn't get, you know, it wasn't like he got out, was out there and then threw the ball 70 times. You know, they were really trying to get reps for the twos and threes as well. But Millen was good, and, and that kind of brings me to my next takeaway, which is yeah, the battle for the backup quarterback is, is going to be really intriguing. They have got four guys on the roster with, with Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, Jackson Stratton, and, and Giles Pooler that can really sling the ball. So far, Pooler kind of seems to be in the lead for the number two role. Again, it's spring. We don't want to get too carried away here, but he looks good. I mean, he's a guy that could definitely play somewhere else and I mean you could say that about all these guys but it's an interesting decision for him to be here his mom is a professor at CSU so that you know probably factors into the decision a little bit but he looks good I mean he can rip it needs to be a little bit more consistent with his accuracy just based on what I've seen but I mean he's come a long way in the last year and a half he really has and you know Jackson Stratton and and Braden Fowler we haven't seen as much of them yet but Stratton had one throw where, I mean, he didn't even get to set his feet. It was just all kind of a flick of the wrist. And I mean, he whipped it, you know, 35, 40 yards on a rope. 
the amount of arm talent they have in that QB room is is really exciting and that's great because there's there's you know a pretty decent chance you see more than one quarterback step on the field whether it's you know injury or you know you're losing big or you know hopefully it's because you're up big but with the new redshirt rules allowing you to play up to four games and still redshirt I mean, there's probably a pretty decent chance we see two, three of them on the field at some point next season, whether it's early or late in the year. Not expecting like a, a classic early Bobo era QB competition where you just, you have Nick Stevens, who's clearly the best option, and you kind of manufacture one. Uh, <laughs> that, that's probably my biggest criticism of him, aside from not being able to beat rivals, was early on in his tenure he was so finicky and so reactionary with his quarterback decisions. Like he would just create these competitions out of thin air that just weren't necessary right now. Millen, as as long as he stays healthy, you know, knock on wood is going to be your starter. And I'm over the moon about that. I mean, I'm more excited about him than I've been about a QB prospect in a long time, you know, probably like pre you'd have to go back to like 2016 Colin Hill. Like that's, it's been, been a long stretch, been a long stretch and Ram fans know it, but I'm really excited about some of these other guys as well, because I think they've got some serious talent. All right. I want to move on and I want to talk about the running backs. I want to talk about the receivers as well, but I also want to talk about sexy pizza. What is sexy pizza? You ask with 13 years in the Denver community. Sexy pizza is as local as it gets a hand tossed deck oven pizza with made from scratch each morning dough. You can choose your own adventure with a wide range of toppings or go with one of their philanthropies. When you pick any of those five philanthropies, a portion of the profits is donated to nonprofit organizations right here in Colorado. If you want Sexy Pizza to support your organization or event, go to www.sexy.pizza. Check out their about page for the donations link and see how Sexy Pizza can support your cause. With a 12-inch, 16-inch, or 18-inch crust, Sexy Pizza is sure to be the right fit. Add on all the fixins with wings, salads, pasta, knots. I love their garlic knots. Dessert options. Don't forget about their vegan options. They've got a delicious 12-inch gluten-free crust. You've got yourself a can't-miss hit no matter what you pick. If you want sexy pizza, and trust me, you definitely want sexy pizza, go to any of their four Denver locations. They've got one in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, as well as Park Hill. Or if you're out in Trinidad, they just opened a fifth location out there hit it up. You will not be disappointed. Cool, cool, cool. Can I just say that www.sexy.pizza is the coolest sounding web address of all time? You know, no, no .com, just sexy.pizza, baby. Sexy pizza. <laughs> all right. Ajan Vivens has uh, looked good. He is probably the front runner for running back one, at least in my opinion. He's really solid and pass protection always has been. And he's just kind of a perfect fit for this system. I mean, he has great hands. He's a natural route runner, which makes sense. He played wide receiver up until a couple of years ago. Nevada, they historically haven't really had a guy like him. It's it's always kind of been a, you know, a big, beefy, bruiser, downhill type running back. But I, I think Norvell and Mummy are going to be able to come up with some really intriguing ways to use Vivens in the system. Again, great pass catcher and a great pass blocker, so you can trust him out there. But he runs bigger than he is. I mean, obviously, when you do run the football, you've got to be successful in this system or they're not going to respect it at all. But Vivens is a guy, when you give him the ball between the tackles, he's not going to shy away from contact. I mean, he's, he's quick laterally, 
But I mean, he'll drop the shoulder on you. He kind of reminds me of D Hart in that regard, just never shying away from contact. I think Avery Morrow is also going to be the other featured back. He was Nevada's backup, scored against CSU. I think that kind of provides a nice little one-two combo punch. You got a big bruiser. And again, you know, Vivens wears you down as well. Where I think it gets kind of interesting is just who's going to be kind of that third back. Because you're going to need two, three, four at some point throughout the year. Coming in, I, I would have assumed it was David Bailey, but he hasn't been out there much. He's he's missed a lot of practice. Uh, he did not get any reps in, in this that I saw. I'm, I'm not even sure if he was out on the field. I was looking for him. I couldn't find him. I, um, I, I'm not so sure he's going to be here this fall. Um, I've been told some stuff. Um, you know, might be some eligibility issues. I don't know. That'll, that'll be kind of an interesting situation to monitor. We'll see, you know, again, I think he can be effective, especially as a pass catcher in the red zone. Definitely wore down after, you know, week two or three last year because they were just kind of trying to overuse him. But I mean, I do think he could bring something to the table here. But, you know, if he's not going to be a good locker room guy, I don't know. You know, it'll be it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens there. Uh, some some other guys that might be in the mix. David Agri has actually been getting a ton of carries. Fifth year senior. Haven't really ever seen much out of him. Looks like he runs hard. Uh, Mason Vivi, <laughs> a walk on small speed strata Erie. That guy can fly. I, I don't think he'll actually be on the field this fall. He's probably just a little too small, but does remind me of Darren Sproles a little bit when he gets the ball in the open field. And man, I mean, if he gets some open space, look out. I'm also interested to see who kind of breaks out, you know, in the wide receiver room because your top four are obvious. You've got Dante and Ty, and you've got Torrey Horton and Melquan Stovall. Does anyone from that second tier that's currently on the roster, that's currently on campus, you know, Justice McCoy, uh, EJ Scott, two guys, you know, that have been on the team forever, but for various reasons, you know, I've not really been able to do much, you know, maybe Demir Abdullah. I, I'm not sure if he's going to be more of a receiver, maybe a tight end. It's obviously got the size, you know, Jarek Robinson. He's a guy that could get on the field as, on special teams, but could he get on the field as a receiver, you know, do some of the quick pitch uh, lateral type stuff you do at the line of scrimmage. We've seen Dante Wright and Melquan Stovall do a lot of that. I could, you know, see Jarek get in the mix that way. But as far as, you know, down the field goes, you're going to need more than just those four with how much you throw the ball. You know, you're going to you're going to have to be able to substitute a little bit. And, you know, maybe maybe EJ does finally, you know, break out or maybe, you know, Justice McCoy, you know, finds a way to make an impact as a receiver. I think very likely it's it's going to be you know, some of those freshmen, you know, whether it's one of the Inglewood guys, you know, Louis Brown or Justice Ross Simmons or Jordan Williams from St. Paul or Makai Fox out of Pasadena, the one-time UCLA commit, Kyle Day Jr., really talented athlete from Cherry Creek High School. He'll be on campus this summer. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of those young guys kind of work their way onto the field. I think it's more likely we see them than, you know, McCoy or, or EJ or some of these other guys you know, Demir Abdullah, maybe, you know, Jarek Robinson, maybe, but at least right now, I, I don't really expect those, those veteran guys, you know, outside of Dante and Ty to, to kind of factor into the offense much moving forward. Tight ends kind of a different, different question. Cause you've got Tanner Arkin, who's, I mean, he's only a redshirt freshman, but you've got Gary Williams, obviously who came on strong last year. I mean, 
at tight end, I think you could see some of those those guys from the old roster make more of an impact, but I don't know. I just I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, see who out of those young guys in the receiving room and the tight end room as well because you've also got uh, Jordan Williams, who I think will be a tight end, not a receiver. It, it's going to be really interesting. There, there's going to be a lot of talent coming on, and, and they've got a lot of talent on the roster right now. I'm going to talk about the the trenches and and kind of defense more in the coming days. I think naturally, you know, these early scrimmages just kind of inherently favor offense. If offense doesn't look good, you should be concerned because, you know, the defenders that are going against their own guys, they don't want to kill them. You know, we heard the coaches kind of lecturing before this even started, you know, hit them in the strike zone, you know, get them in the chest. We don't, you know, you don't want to get guys in the legs or, you know, up high. It's, it's, it's a tough position, but you know, it kind of, it is what it is. You know, that as a defender, you know, you know that there are going to be some plays that go big that, you know, wouldn't actually happen in real life because you would have, you know, tackled someone. <laughs> I will say though, and, and this is something that I'll go into, you know, more in depth in the coming days. I think the four-two-five is really going to be beneficial, particularly with the type of defensive backs that they have on this team. You know, San Diego State, they always have these corners and safeties that are, you know, phenomenal tackers, tacklers, <laughs> tackers, phenomenal tacklers, you know, big thumpers in the run game. And, you know, Henry Blackburn and Jack Howell, they're going to really thrive in this. You know, I, I think you see Howell play back a little bit more, but, you know, A.J. King is kind of going to be that free safety in, in the in the back, Roman in the secondary. But, like, when you're in the nickel, you know, you're, you're basically a de facto linebacker. And whether it's, you know, Howell or Blackburn or Taiwan Francis, any of those guys, you know, they can really thrive in that situation I think we'll see Francis play back more, at least based on what we've seen. He's kind of been dropping back in coverage more than, you know, Blackburn and, and Howell, who made a just made a lot of plays in the run game. Blackburn's still, you know, wearing a, a red jersey, so they're trying to keep him healthy, which is good. He's, you know, kind of doing the seven on sevens, the, the, the thud stuff, but he wasn't out there for full contact. I think just with those guys, and then, you know, Anusium coming over from Cal, as well as DeAndre Greeley, who comes over from the College of San Francisco. Those guys got some serious size. Again, I, the depth below them, kind of a, a little bit of a question. Titus Jones actually had a pretty good day on Saturday. He's just, he's very undersized. But I'm intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued. That's all I have today. We'll be back talking about hoops and football over the next couple of days. Keep up with the draft pod. Keep up with all my written content over at thednvr.com. Always a great time to become a member. Thank you to everybody that continues to support my work. You guys make my dreams come true. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be.